0: and if you're going to win souls you've got to love souls in spite of their meanness in spite of the way they look in spite of everything you've got to seek to bring souls to Jesus Christ because you love them because Jesus loved them and because Jesus died for them and you're trying to bring them to the Son of God how many of you would say this morning Amen Amen To the fact that it is Friday. Some of you are driving to work, possibly, and it is the last day of your work week before the weekend, for some of you at least. And uh, amen, just thankful it's Fridays. And it seems that Friday is a very enjoyable day here on the podcast. It's the day where so far we've been averaging the most listens on Fridays. And so been a, a successful day in that area. And so I hope you're just appreciating the different things that we talk about on Fridays, the miscellaneous day. The mixed bag day, and so something I really wanted people just to enjoy um, on Fridays. And so this morning we're going to start off with a joke. Who doesn't love a joke? And so, do you want to hear a joke this morning? Well, you're you're listening to the podcast, so you're going to hear a joke this morning. There was an elementary school teacher, and she was preparing for class, and she told her little kids on the, um, the day before the school ended, and she said, hey, tomorrow is show and tell, and I want each of you to bring something from your religion to show everybody tomorrow morning. So they all came back the next morning, and the teacher said, okay, it's time for show and tell, and the first little girl was called up. She said, hi, my name is Mary. She said, I'm a Catholic, and this is the rosary. And, of course, all the kids clapped, and so she sat down, and the next little boy got up, and he said, Hi, my name is Josiah. I am a Jew, and here's the Star of David. Of course, everybody clapped for him. The next little boy got up. He said, Hi, my is Billy. He said, I'm a Baptist, and this is a casserole. And uh, if anything is true among Baptists, it's the fact that we like our food. We enjoy our fellowships, don't we? We enjoy our potlucks. We enjoy eating. And if there's going to be a fellowship at a Baptist church, it better have some food. And so the ladies' fellowships, they'll typically have scones and and danishes and salad bars and chilies and soups. And of course, the men will make fun of the ladies' food, and they'll eat burgers and hot dogs and pizza and cake. And so food is a necessity. And uh, I know I've been a Baptist for 24 years. And so a curious tradition, though, among our Baptist churches is this thing called the potluck. The potluck. Though the origins of the true potluck are not completely known, the potluck dinner does have a history of certainty. You know, it's that famous meal where everybody brings a dish. It's the church tradition that brought this headline in April of two thousand fifteen. "Quote: Church potluck linked to outbreak that killed one, sickens twenty, in central Ohio." It's the sacred dinner that brought Minnesota this law. "Quote: The church lady law, which makes which gives faith-based groups an exemption from health inspections as long as one person there has food trainings of some sort." Though dangerous and, at times, possibly deadly. The potluck is kind of like a Russian roulette with rounds placed internally in your stomach and hoping that none of them go off. but the potluck must go on. Of course, the potluck isn't practiced by Baptists alone. It's practiced by religions of all sorts, but I will have you know, the Baptists have been crowned the champions of potlucks around the world, and we have a great understanding in the culinary skills, which used to be called the luck of the pot. In fact, that's where we get that term potluck, luck of the pot. It's that bring a dish supper. It so inspires our taste buds to drip drool and bring about such indigestion and heartburn that would make a Catholic queasy. This is the Baptist potluck. And so as any tradition, you might expect to find the usual dishes at the potluck of churches. And if you're familiar with a church potluck, you will know that I am absolutely an expert on this area once I give you the traditional dishes that people bring to potlucks. All right, so if you're going to go to a Baptist potluck, maybe you just got saved, maybe you just started attending a Baptist church, and they have just announced, hey, there's going to be a potluck on da-da-da-da-da date. And you're like, wow, what is that? What can I expect to eat? Let me give you what will always be at every Baptist potluck. The first thing I want to give you is the mashed potatoes. And shame on you. Shame on you if you bring instant mashed potatoes. That isn't even potatoes. They should call it mashed instant cardboard. And um, not and shame on you if you bring instant mashed potatoes. And if you've ever brought instant mashed potatoes to one of our potlucks, I, I couldn't tell the difference, all right? You just you just keep doing what you do. I'm sorry. And a mashed potatoes. Get some potatoes out actually mash them. And, you know, one lady, she didn't know how to mash potatoes, and she went over to somebody's house, and she said, Wow, these, these mashed potatoes are so great. And she said, they're not lumpy, and you don't have any peels in them. She said, how do you do it? How do you not get peels in your mashed potatoes? And the lady looked at her, and she said, well, you peel them first. And the lady looked back and said, wow, I never knew that. So you peel the mashed potatoes first. And her husband said, yeah, you peel them first, and you boil them first, too. And uh, so mashed potatoes, you always have mashed potatoes at a Baptist potluck. And then you have the egg salad sandwiches. Never fails. There will be somebody there with an egg salad sandwich, and you don't just cut, you don't just put an egg salad sandwich and throw it on a plate. By the way, you have to cut them into quartered triangles, quartered triangles, not squares, quartered triangles, without fail. It's 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 really is fancier that way if you cut them into quartered triangles. The egg salad sandwiches, and then you have the vegetable tray. There's always that one weird Baptist that everyone's like looking out, out of their peripheral vision because they're walking in with a couple vegetable trays. Um, that's just not Baptist. So, um, yeah, but you always do have a vegetable tray. in so if you feel like eating vegetables, then you have the vegetable tray. And then you've got the dinner rolls, the dinner rolls. Hey, dinner rolls were a requirement at the Last Supper. I mean, they did break bread. And so Baptist, though, when we break the bread, we then spread butter on it and then we eat it. So, But you do have the dinner rolls. And then you have that weird soup. No, seriously, it's, that's the name, I think, because nobody knows what's in it. It's kind of like surprise in a pot. Uh, you never know what you'll come up with when you, when you drop the spoon. You'll never know. It's just that weird soup. You just look down at the pot and say, ooh, what's that? And they're like, I don't know what it is. I don't know. You got the weird soup, and then you have angeled eggs. Angeled eggs. You say, what is that? Well, some people call it deviled eggs, but we refuse to give any credit to the devil, so it's called angeled eggs. And then the crown glory. If you go to a Baptist potluck, the crown glory of all Baptist potlucks, though, belongs to a dish that your great-aunt makes. It's what your great-grandmother used to bring. It's, the, it's been the tradition of elderly ladies since Lois, Timothy's grandmother. I guarantee you she brought this to the church potluck at Ephesus when she came for a visit. No potluck is complete without it, and that would be the green bean casserole. The green bean casserole. It is the most debated and most brought side of all potlucks in the classic 9x13 dish. Some loathe it, some love it. It's the mysterious casserole of green beans, canned mushroom soup, topped with fried onions. It inspires questions like, what's this white gooey stuff? If you love it, it inspires the question, can I have more? For those who don't, where's the restroom? But it's a classic, and no potluck would be right without green bean casserole. But I don't know about you. I've had enough of the classic dishes of the Baptist potlucks. I would like to try something new. And so, obviously, you clicked on the episode today, and the title is What You Should Bring to the Next next Church Potluck. So let me give you some ideas to spice up your life, to make it a little bit different. We're all about variety here and changing things up, getting out of a rut. So let's, I don't know, change up what dish you're going to bring. Maybe you have for church, you have a potluck coming up and you're wondering what you should bring to the church potluck. I've looked up real, legitimate, 100% real recipes that you can go online and find for yourself that I think you should bring to the next church potluck. Wouldn't that, would would you like to hear, I I think I have 10 recipes here, and I'm not going to read you the recipes, I'm just going to kind of read you a synopsis of what that particular recipe is, and um, you can bring it to the next church potluck, and I think you will just inspire people to try something new, you know, maybe not bring this weird soup this time, or the green bean casserole, but to bring something fresh, something new, And so let's look at some of these recipes today of what you can bring to the next church potluck. The first one I have is something that for many of you is immediately going to inspire you to find somewhere to eat because it is going to make you hungry. I present to you our very first recipe for the next church potluck. Number one, the bologna cake. The bologna cake. It is layers of bologna with layers of mayo and then you top it with a mayo frosting and you use mustard detailing. And I tell you what, this is sure to be a real cloud ple- crowd pleaser. In fact, if I were you, I would try and get the ladies to put it on the dessert table. And uh, boy, you could, the bologna cake, who would not love A bologna layered mayo cake. Wouldn't that be phenomenal? You are hungry right now, I'm sure. If you are on the road, you are just, oh my goodness, your mouth's starting to water. You are ready for some bologna cake. And uh, yes, that would be delicious. Number two, here we go. Unicorn macaroni and cheese. Unicorn macaroni and cheese. You change up the old... And you bring in the new by bringing in a 9 by 13 multicolored macaroni and cheese. You start with a yellow section, and then you dye the next section green, and the next section purple, and the next section blue, and the next section red. And so don't worry. Uh, We don't know for sure. All right? We don't know if it's a fact that food coloring is harmful for you. We just think it is. So I'm sure it'll be just fine. But you have unicorn mac and cheese. I mean, sure to be a real kid pleaser. I mean, who wouldn't like green macaroni and cheese? As long as it's green from it being food coloring, I think we might be okay. So unicorn mac and cheese, you got bologna cake. Here's the third one, Pringles jam. Pringles jam. You simply grind up a tube of Pringles into small crumbles. You'll add water until soupy, and then you'll add gelatin to to thicken. And so I present to you this phrase, which you can find on some Pringles cans, quote, you don't just eat them, you jam them. And that's the quote that you'll find on some Pringles cans. And so that's a literal thing, Pringles jam. And so, yes, just grind them up, add water, add gelatin. You are good to go. You can dip whatever you want in the Pringles jam, sure to be something that everybody will love and enjoy. I have number four for you. The cottage cheese protein bread. Cottage cheese protein bread. You know, sometimes you got these muscle builders, you know, these guys they are, are working out and they're always trying to pack in the protein. We have a recipe just for them. Maybe you are that guy. I have a recipe for you to bring to the next church potluck to make sure you fit in your protein. It is the cottage cheese protein bread. You simply take an unsliced loaf of your choice. You go to the store, buy an unsliced loaf any loaf you want. It doesn't matter. Pumpernickel, rye bread, white wheat, whatever you want, whatever you feel is the healthiest for your body and your muscle building regime. And you'll simply take an unsliced loaf of bread. You'll rip off the top and insides, and you'll pull the insides out of the bread. And then what you'll do is you'll fill up that loaf with cottage cheese. There you go. And then, no, no, we're not finished yet. Then, You go into the freezer section at the store and you buy one of those rolls of bread dough. You know, you kind of roll it out. It's got this, it'll be big and long. And what you'll do is you'll wrap that entire, that entire roll of dough around your loaf of bread that's filled with cottage cheese. You'll add ketchup to the top and you'll bake it until cooked. Yum. Doesn't that sound delicious? That sounds great. It's legitimate, folks. Look it up. Cottage cheese protein bread. Number five, I present to you pureed spaghetti. Pureed spaghetti. It's very easy. You simply take spaghetti, sauce, noodles, and all, and you puree it. You can use it as a dip. You can use it as a topping. You can use it as a thick soup. Sure to be a crowd pleaser. And I think people will be gathered around your dish wanting the recipe for your pureed spaghetti. Number six, I have the great Canadian Heinz ketchup cake. If any of them is legitimate, and all of them are, but if any of them are, this one is. It is legitimate. You can find it on the Craft website. You can find it on allrecipes.com. And it's a ketchup cake. And so let's be honest, the kids will love it. Kids will love the ketchup cake. Kids love ketchup anyway, so they'll love ketchup cake. Mr. Bob, he'll love the ketchup cake too, but... That is until he actually takes a bite. He'll be thinking it's red velvet the entire time. It's actually, you know, would be a good practical joke possibly. You know, you get it and you present it and people think it's red velvet cake and then they bite into it and it's ketchup. And so that's a phenomenal one to bring, the great Canadian Heinz ketchup cake. Number seven, jellied bouillon and frankfurters. Jellied bouillon and frankfurters. You simply combine gelatin with hot beef broth and add them in and pour it into a jello ring. You know those nice ring molds? You pour it into a jello ring, and then while it's still soupy, you're going to stick in chopped hot dogs, sliced boiled eggs, celery. You're going to stick that all into the mold and you're going to chill it until firm the jellied bouillon and frankfurters. Ooh, can you imagine being at a potluck and getting a slice of that? Man, makes my mouth water. Aren't you getting hungry for these wonderful recipes that I am presenting you today? Number eight is the Campbell's Triple Play Warmer. The Campbell's Triple Play Warmer. And it simply combines a can of split pea soup, tomato soup, and beef soup into a pot and you cook. It will become that weird soup that nobody knows what's in it. And so you combine a can of split pea soup, tomato soup, beef soup, and you cook it. And so one person found this in a Campbell's cookbook, Cooking with Soup. And they said this in review of the Triple Play Warmer. They said, quote, The Triple Play Warmer, like 98% of this of the recipes in this book, wasn't created because it tasted good. It was created to sell as many cans of soup as possible. And so the Campbell's Triple Play Warmer. Boy, are you getting hungry. I am getting hungry. Number nine I have for you, gooey buns. Gooey buns. Spice up the old dinner rolls that everybody brings to Baptist potlucks and bring in gooey buns. It sounds like a scrumptious breakfast pastry, doesn't it? But it's more of a, oh, it's more of like a dinner appetizer. You grind up bologna And American cheese, mustard, mayo, and relish. All right, you grind it all up until it's all into a paste. And then you fill hot dog buns with it and gently toast them in the oven. And there you have gooey buns. Mmm. Making me hungry. And then number 10, I have for you my personal favorite. And if I were going to bring one of these, this is the one I would bring. Here it is. Number 10, jellied chicken. Jellied chicken. You can find it, in fact, in the cookbook entitled The Blender Way to Better Cooking, 200 Recipes for Your Blender. And, uh, yeah, jellied chicken. And um, I I just can't imagine the uh, 200, 200 recipes for your blender. And I'm about to lose it over here. I probably should cut this section out of the podcast, but probably for your sake, I'll just leave it. My goodness, jellied, jellied chicken. Wow. The blender way to better cooking. 200 recipes for your blender. And so we'll just leave you with the hungering thought of those recipes. Recipes, And so I present them to you again so you won't forget. The bologna cake, unicorn mac and cheese, Pringles jam, cottage cheese protein bread, pureed spaghetti, great Canadian Heinz ketchup cake, jellied bouillon and frankfurters, Campbell's Triple Play Warmer, gooey buns and jelly chicken. And so, wow. Yes, you can spice up the old Baptist potluck instead of bringing the weird soup, the the quarter triangle uh, egg salad sandwiches, the angel eggs, the green bean casserole. Bring something new, bring something different and try one of these wonderful recipes that i presented with you today. Everybody will love you for it. And I guarantee... I guarantee there will be no headline like the one we read before. Church potluck linked to outbreak that killed one sickens 20 in central Ohio. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm guaranteeing, I'm sure none of that will ever happen to you if you make one of these wonderful, wonderful, wonderful recipes. And uh, your pastor, if you do bring one of these recipes, will probably tell you to not stop listening to this podcast because of just the craziness that has entered into your mind now. So, But uh, Baptist potluck. Who doesn't love Baptist potluck? So, joking aside, let's answer that question. What should you bring to the next church potluck? What should you bring to the next church potluck? You say, oh, I thought we were just joking the entire time. No, we're not going to joke the entire time. We do have an application. We do have a point. What should I bring to the next church potluck? And this one isn't a joke. What should you bring to the next church potluck? Think about it. What should you bring? And here's the thing. The most important thing you can bring to the next church potluck is a little three-letter word, Y-O-U. Yeah, the most important thing you can bring to the next church potluck is you, is you. You are the most important thing you can bring. Let me tell you why. The reason why is when the early New Testament church was left behind, and they were truly an incredible ministry right after Christ left, and of course they had Pentecost, they had some great things happening, and they began to grow so much. They began to reach the world with the gospel. They were a spiritual powerhouse. And so what you'll find in Acts chapter 2 and verse 42, you will find this verse where they did some specific things To become this spiritual powerhouse, to reach the world with the gospel, to truly make an impact where the Bible says that they turned the world upside down for Christ, here was the steps they took in Acts 2.42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and of breaking of bread and in prayers, Acts 2.42. I want you to notice, number one, they clung to Doctrine. That first part of the verse says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Let me tell you something. You need to stick fast to good doctrine. I was talking to somebody just a, just a little while back now, and they said, hey, um, you know, doctrine, what is it? And doctrine is simply Bible. That's what doctrine is. It's simply Bible. For instance, a doctrine is the Trinity. It's the three in one, three persons in one. Um, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. These three are one. It's a Bible doctrine. It's a Bible belief, not based anything of our own opinion, but based solely off of the Word of God. It's a doctrine. So they clung to the doctrine. They clung to doctrine. And then number two, they continued in prayers. You'll notice at the end of the verse... And in prayers, let me tell you something. We need to get back to being a praying people. Don't expect your pastor. Listen to me now. Don't expect your pastor to be the prayer warrior of your church. You, you need to get down on your knees, and you need to get used to having some callous knees and spending some time with God, and getting down in the mornings and just having some time with God, and saying, "Lord." please bless our church. Lord, please bless my family. Lord, I've got some unsafe family members and Lord, I pray that you get a hold of their hearts. Lord, I pray that you touch them. Lord, I pray and you need to get back to being a praying person. You say, I don't know how to pray. Let me tell you something. You don't know how to have a conversation then because prayer is simply a conversation with God. Let me tell you something. You don't always have to know what to say. The Bible says that the spirit knoweth exactly what is on our hearts, and he makes and known to God the very what the groanings of our heart means. Just get down on your knees and begin to spend time with God in prayer. We need to get back to being a praying people. I'm tired. I'm tired of seeing this world collapse and crumble around us. The nation of America begin to collapse and crumble. Simply because God's people don't pray. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked way, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. 2 Chronicles 7, verse number 14. But you know what? Pray. We have to get back to being a praying people. So they clung to doctrine. They continued in prayer. But you notice we skipped over. A couple phrases in the middle of the verse. And so they continued, though, in fellowship. They continued in fellowship, you'll find. And the verse says, and in breaking of, or in fellowship, and in breaking of bread. And fellowship and in breaking of bread both refer to fellowshipping. Hey. You got breaking of bread. You got the Baptist potluck. There you go. I bet you they were bringing bologna cake and jelly chicken, and uh, so they continued in fellowship. So the times when a church gets together and fellowships with each other, and at any event, it's not always a potluck. It could be uh, anything really, but any type of fellowship event. You know, we have here a, at our church a men's skeet shoot. The ladies will have a ladies' Bible study. We'll have a men's Bible study. We'll have hey. Um, some guys are meeting down at a restaurant or something who wants to have a time. And so it's one of the most vital things that you can take part in as a Christian. You'll find, why was that church, the early church, such a powerhouse? Well, because they continued in doctrine, they continued in prayer, but they continued in fellowship as well. Fellowship is encouraging. It draws you closer to your brothers and sisters in Christ. It is a spiritually healthy activity. Can I go so far as to say it's a spiritually healing activity? And so what should you bring to the next church fellowship? Bring you. Bring you. I'll be honest with you, the story of the spiritual condition of a church and or a Christian can oftentimes be told in the amount of their fellowship. If I see a church, if I'm in a church, and by the way, we traveled, as I said, we, I've, I've seen churches across America where it was like this. If I see a church that as soon as the final amen from the pastor, have a great week, service is dismissed. As soon as that final amen of the service is said, everyone files out the door and is gone. I can tell you that is a church that is struggling. I have no qualms about saying that. I have no doubts about my perception. They're a church that's struggling. Maybe not financially. Maybe they have money. Maybe not in a building. Maybe not Any other reason but spiritually, brother to sister wise, brother to brother wise, sister to sister wise, in fellowship, they're struggling. And don't just take my word for it. Go up and ask your pastor what he thinks. If a church was to say amen, and it's the final amen of the service, and all of a sudden everybody just walks out, gets in their car, and leaves, and I've seen it, you ask your pastor what he thinks the condition of the church is. He'll tell you the same exact thing. Ask evangelists who travel the nation and see this happen, and they'll tell you that church is struggling. That church is struggling. How a church fellowships both before and after the service is a talking point of their welfare. It's a talking point of their welfare. And the same goes for a Christian, an individual Christian. If I see a Christian who doesn't want to fellowship, he skips, a, he skips a lot of the church activities. He doesn't really come to any fellowships. He's too busy for those. He doesn't want to come. He's not involved. As soon as the church says amen for that final amen, he's out the door or she is out the door, gone. Doesn't really spend too much time talking. Doesn't spend too much time fellowshipping. And this is like a regular occurrence. I'm not talking about a one-service, two-service, three-service thing. I'm talking about this is a regular occurrence. This is just the way they always are. I'll tell you what, it it can often be a telltale sign of their spiritual welfare and how a Christian fellowships. And so today's thought is simply this. It's rather simple. And yes, this thought is rather short, but I think it's something we need. If there is a church fellowship, be there. Be there. Go. Take part. Go for the fellowship. Hey, it may not be your favorite activity, but the point is for fellowship. We all need fellowship. It may not be something you want to do, it may be something you're like, I, I, I don't like that activity. Go anyway. Because you need the fellowship. You need to be involved. You need to be in tune with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Go for the fellowship. Let me add this in. If it's not your favorite activity and you're like, okay, I'll go, and you go to the fellowship, don't complain the entire time. Don't sit over on the sideline just watching because, well, Josh over on Sandy Creek Springs kind of said I needed to go to a fellowship, but I'm just doing it because he says it's a spiritual healthy thing to do, but I'm just going to sit over here. No, get involved. Get involved. The point for fellowship, by the way, is your pastor doesn't schedule it just because he wants to have fun. Your pastor schedules it because he knows it's spiritually healthy for you, and it'll help you. So what's the next thing you can bring to the church potluck, the next church potluck, or the next church fellowship in general? Well, the best thing you can bring is simply that. Why owe you? You. Take yourself. Be involved in the fellowship. And let me tell you something. I think you'll find that it'll encourage you to grow spiritually. It'll help you to develop a relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And God will bless you just for the fellowship. Best thing you can take to the next church potluck is you. So take you. Hey, nobody wants the bologna cake anyway, right? Until next time, though, I hope you have a wonderful day. But you keep looking up and keep stirred up for the cause of Christ.